Welcome, everyone. We are so glad that you are joining us. And I'm very excited to introduce our guest today. He has been the host of the Shamanic Wisdom Summit for many years. It's Michael Stone. Michael Stone is a spiritual author, mentor, shamanic practitioner, radio host, producer, and trauma integration facilitator who co-creates individual and group environments and experiences that support people in transcending the myth of separation. And also, he helps people experience deep and profound interconnection via others and all of life. Welcome. It is so good to have you here. Hi, Marie. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's really uh, fun being on the other side of the uh, table. <laughs> we were catching up a little while ago, and as I was reading your the title of what we're going to be talking today, I'm so excited to hear about all that because I'm sure we're going to gain so much wisdom. So let's jump right in. What do you mean when you talk about relational intimacy? Ah, one of my favorite subjects. Well, oh, so much to say about this. But first of all, we talk about relationship. And my relationship, my relationship with my partner, my relationship with my uh, siblings or my children. But what does that really mean? When I say relationship, when you think of the word relationship, it's a noun. And what's a noun? A person, place, or thing. And where does that come from? It can only come from the past. So we tend to get in these situations where we're, we call it a relationship, but actually it's more like living side by side where relating is a verb and it's in the present. So the work that I do, a lot of the work that I do uh, is really about rehabilitating our ability to be present in a relationship and to feel what's happening in my embodied state and to feel you in that way. And in that way, we have emergent relationships uh, instead of relationships based on, you know how you have the same argument over and over again for 20 years? Well, we, we get under that. That's the whole point. And what is it that's under that? What's under that is soul loss or trauma, which by the way, you know, I got into this whole thing, started out, uh, as you know, as a shamanic practitioner, I was always fascinated by uh, soul loss and did many, many, many soul retrievals and did that work and I continued to deepen it and deepen it and, and at one point and I also have a, a psychology background I thought wait a minute what we're talking about here is trauma trauma and soul loss are exactly the same thing they talk about soul loss creating trauma but what is trauma so when you look at trauma it's it's not the thing that happened to us we think about, oh, trauma is the thing that happened to us, but it's not. It's what happened in us. And different kinds of trauma can affect people completely differently. So trauma is actually the reaction that happens in us, where a, 
uh, part of, of our essence gets fragmented off uh, and pushed down into the body. Now, this is really interesting because we think of it as a pathology, as a disease, something's broken, uh, I need to get fixed. But actually, it's an amazing intelligence that's been for 600 million years, this has been evolving in our nervous system through different levels of the evolution of our nervous system. So trauma of uh, soul loss and trauma are the response to an overwhelming situation, an intelligent response that the nervous system shuts down a part of us so that we can keep on going on. And so uh, when, when I started really looking at this deeply, I realized that every single issue that we've got is related to trauma, every major issue. I remember back in the Watts riots in the 90s, I don't know if you remember that or were in, in the US then, but uh, there was a guy named Rodney King who got beat up by the police. And, and then at the end of the thing, and it was all over and the riots were over, he asked this question, he said, why can't we just get along? And people made fun of him and thought, how stupid, how naive can someone be? And I thought, what a great question. I'm gonna live into that question and see what I can figure out about why can't we just get along? Well, the reason we can't live get along we're living in a sea of trauma, of personal, of familial, of ancestral, of collective, of geographic, I mean, historic. You go on and on, look at what's happening now in the world. It's all a response to earlier trauma. And so the, the ability to tap into the intelligence of these parts of us and parts of our ancestors that have been uh, suppressed, dissociated, fragmented off that live in the body. So you can't really integrate these frozen parts of our essence with cognitive therapy. You can create relationship and be related, but you really have to go to the body because trauma shows up like tension or numbness. So normally our body uh, has, has a capacity and we can feel spacious or we can feel contracted. And of course, stress is very related to that. But when we have trauma, it ends up feeling like tension in our body, particularly chronic tension and or numbness. We numb ourselves out so we don't have to feel the fear or the anger or the thing that we couldn't feel, say as a child, you know, it wasn't safe to be, to feel angry. So we stuff it down. It wasn't safe to, you know, express ourselves. Much of our trauma starts in early childhood in attachment trauma. And uh, we're mammals, right? We're, you know, I think we're, we'll agree we're mammals. We're not... Um, uh, turtles. And mammals, in order to evolve, need to be felt, seen, heard, soothed, nourished, fed, protected, in order to develop self-regulation. And so, you know, turtles, mama comes along, she had a good night with her boyfriend, uh, There's lays the eggs, goes on to the bar, you know, the next morning, the turtles come up and they run for the ocean and like one in 10,000 make it to the ocean because the, all the, the 
dangers that are there, but that's not how mammals evolve. We evolve, evolve by being touched, by being felt and seen. So much of the early trauma, which is often passed down intergenerationally, that we end up with is because we didn't get felt, seen, and heard, and we don't have the capacity to regulate these overwhelming situations. And so in, in working with uh, soul retrieval, I would go in with my uh, power animals and guides uh, with the other person, create some, um, some soothing uh, music that gets us into a uh, uh, you know, a, a relaxed state. And then we would journey in and I would take my, you know, uh, intuition and instinct and, and the other person would be with me. And then I'd find that. And then I would, you know, blow that part back. And then that person would have a sense of what was missing. And, and that worked really well because we would have deep connection with each other. Um, but as I went further and further into that, I realized that Two, two major things, really, that um, if I would do that soul retrieval, it, would, it wouldn't be like a magic pill. The person would have to do the work. So part of it, and they have to be in their body. They have to do their work. They have to be in their body, and they have to be willing to do that work. So um, the other thing is that... Um, because I would act as a co-regulator. So that gave me the, the realization that, wait a minute, you know, we were, we were mostly, I'm leaving out shock trauma, but we mostly had soul loss and trauma um, impact when we were in relationship. So much of our trauma and our soul loss is about relationship. And I thought, well, that's really the key thing. Come back to this thing about relating and, and, and this thing about my relationship. And then we have people who are living side by side for 50 years, but not relating. But what is it to be relate? Well, I have to drop down out of my head and I have to begin to feel my body. And first I feel my capacity that I have. And then I look and see what's alive, what's moving in me. And I, and I begin to realize, well, we are energy and we're movement and energy is movement. And so to attune to that and to attend to that, then I begin to see, wow, then I see those areas in my life where I'm frozen, uh, numb, or I have these deep traumas. And of course, these, these result in uh, huge stress Cortisones, cortisol, uh, cortisol and uh, inflammation in our body, and uh, cause all kinds of autoimmune diseases and dysfunctions, emotional, you know, mental, uh, emotional. But lots of, you know, there's a there's a study about uh, children called the ACEs study. You probably know the ACEs adverse childhood uh, experience, and and something like sixty percent have at least one. And I forgot whether it was something like 25% have four or more out of a list of 10 on the questionnaire. And you can look at that questionnaire online, just look for the ACEs questionnaire. And four or more of those childhood experiences make you 60% more likely to have a heart attack. 
You probably know that as a, as a doctor. So this, this thing about relating is really, really important. I'll take a breath here and let you ask me a question because I, I could go on for hours, you know. <laughs> so go ahead, Marie. It is so great to receive your wisdom. And I love how you have explained how trauma impacts us, what happens either shamanic way or in the scientific way and how it is explained and what we lose. So that is what happens when we have trauma. Now, can you please tell us what happens after threats no longer exist? How does this nervous system, how does it protect us? How does it help us from trauma threats mm. that are no longer here? Mm. What and a great question. What is yeah. your personal yeah. experience with Well, you bring trauma? up the most important thing in post-traumatic healing and that is safety. And it isn't, is it safe? It's, do I feel safe? Those are two very different things. So, um, so the first thing is that we need to create safe containers. What I do is I do circles. I do, I call them common unity circles. And I get a bunch of people together. We work usually four to six months together in a circle with 12 to 18 people. And I have a bunch of them going on right now. And so, first of all, we really work to create a sense of safety, to feel into it. And to, to feel safe, you have to feel unsafe. You have to know, I feel unsafe. If you're numb, you can't feel that. So the first thing is, is, is that. The second thing is that um, we need to create a sense of relatedness. And in, in that safety, be able to start to explore what's happening in my body, what's moving in my body, you know? And so it's, it's so much um, pushed away. Uh, you know, trauma and soul loss are the most misunderstood, avoided, denied, untreated causes of suffering on the planet. Um, we're all traumatized. COVID was a trauma event, War, the wars, 32 wars going on right now, the, the media and the, you know, the, we aren't safe, you know, and in fact, not creating fear and not being safe is very profitable. If you look at the social media and how the algorithms are set up is they, they get you excited, they get you scared, they get you angry, then you hit and you hit and you hit, and then they make money, they make money, they make money, the same way they sell things uh, or getting into power. Look at, the, look at the way people get empowered. They make you scared. So you have to actually begin to unnumb yourself and begin to feel that. Uh, and recognize that, oh, I've actually normalized um, uh, this experience and I think there's something wrong with me, but there's not anything wrong with me. There's, as you say, the, the nervous system has this amazing intelligence and it also has, so the in intelligence to protect you, but it also has the intelligence of resilience. And where does resilience come? Well, here's proof. We're sitting here. Our ancestors brought, you know, made it through wars and famine and burning at the stake and enslavement and all of these issues. 
but we're here. So we made it. So we know we have resilience. So part of the work to do is to tap into that ancestral or the, the resilience of, you know, just knowing that there are people. Sometimes I go to the ancestors, you know, because, you know, like I have some ancestors that are, you know, there for me. And it makes me so happy to be with my ancestors and know that they're watching me. And they know that I'm doing the work that many of my ancestors didn't get to do. So I'm doing that work. So I, I get very supported by, by going to, to the ancestors. But there's another thing uh, in psychology, they call it resourcing. What are my resources? So if, I, if I'm going to attempt to go in uh, to feel these things, the emotions that are so difficult, and, and the, the feelings and uh, uh, felt sense, then um, uh, Peter Levine has a wonderful say about, you know, uh, uh, trauma is a contraction. So we need to work with contraction and expansion. And so when I go in and it gets overwhelming, then I need some resource, either someone to co-regulate with me, which is what I do and what our group learns to do together, or I have, um, things that I can do like walking in nature or, you know, looking at the stars or the moon or um, being with friends that, you know, I don't have to be some particular way with that I can just let my hair down and be with. And so resourcing is a really important part. And that's why I created the troop groups, because now we all become a resource for each other and go back to relating rather than you know oh yeah i know michael he's this way and and marie's this way and you know how we just we don't see each other so we have to feel each other and i i worked in the corporate world for 35 years um i used to say i work with heads on sticks because uh all they had bodies for was to take their head to the next meeting right because we've numbed our bodies and so that's the first thing is to begin to feel these things and to feel the emotions that were so hard in the presence of a loving witness. So we have 15, 18 people that are hearing you. And what happens is then somebody says, yeah, I, you know, I, I was molested or I got beat up or I, I had this. And then four more people will say, yeah, me too, me too. And we go, oh, I'm not alone. But we don't share these things because we mostly do cocktail talk, head talk, you know, talking heads. Um, so, so really to get together with people and create a safe in container with agreements that I can, you know, that everybody follows and goes along with. And then to really feel we split up in smaller elements that we work together so that it's not too overwhelming and then come back into the into the larger group. And so, um, yeah, so in that way, and also shifting the lens from something's broken or something's wrong to I'm looking for the intelligence of this thing that I'm suppressing and not able to feel, this numbness. What's the intelligence of that? Well, it was very intelligent, you know, to shut down as a child or in an overwhelming situation uh, when I was being abused. Um, or when I was in, you know, a car act, all, all kinds of things. But 
you know, we can bring that back to us. Um, so the fragmentation, the suppression, the dissociation, they're all protecting us in the face of an overwhelming situation, but the overwhelming situation happened a long time ago, but the nervous system doesn't know it's safe. So the nervous system, we try to, when we try to fix something and change something, what does the nervous system do? It raises its protection level. Then I try harder, it raises its protection level. So when I'm trying to fix something or change something, that reinforces the very thing I'm trying to change. So I have to then, um, you know, buckle up and just feel a little bit of the fear a little bit of the anger, a little bit of the shame, a little bit of the abandonment, a little bit of these things that we all carry that are so hard to, um, to feel. And so that's why for me, relating and working in the area of relational intimacy is so important because it's, I'm, people ask me, relational intimacy, is that about sex? No, <laughs> it could be, but it's certainly not. Uh, it's about being connected. And what's the fabric of connection? I feel my emotions and then I can feel you. But if I can't feel my emotions, I can't feel you. And if I can't feel you, I'm never going to be safe. Mm. This is such an important point. First of all, I used to be one of those talking heads. Uh, <laughs> and I know that feeling. And, you know, things that you say here, having the awareness that something is going on, I'm feeling this way, or I'm not feeling anything, is so key. And also support. I remember the first time I really felt supported. I, I cried for like, it's like, wow, this is actually what it feels like to feel safe. And so, you know, I want to continue this uh, conversation that is so important for all of us, because like Michael said, we are all traumatized and it's ongoing. So how can the practice of presencing deepen our ability to uh, be able to connect, right, with ourselves and others, since you said that relating and connecting are key factors to our well-being? Yeah, what a great question. So I say presencing, and the reason I say presencing is that presence is always here, but mostly we're not. So presencing is to notice that I'm constantly going away. I'm constantly, uh, Thomas Huber has a great word for it, after time. I'm in after time. So, you know, you have an argument with your spouse and then you get in the car and you know, how could he say that to me? That you know, he says the same thing every time over and over again. And I drive to work and all day I'm thinking about it and I come home at night and I'm still upset. That's after time. That means that it didn't move through me, the experience. So what we're looking for is instead of life happening to me, how can I create a space for happen for life to happen through me? So I expand my capacity to feel myself. That expands my capacity to feel you. And then in, a, in the face of these overwhelming situations that are reminders of 
earlier situations, I can use the triggers that happen when my my shadow material, Jung called it the shadow material, those parts of us that we don't want people to see or know about, that we feel about ourselves, shame or the story of not enough or, you know, um, the separation, a couple of the things that happen with to know that we're in a trauma situation is there's a there's an intense sense of being separate um and you know we're not we're all interconnected as dan siegel says we're interconnected beautiful new, new book that dan just put out on uh, intra not interconnected because interconnected is you're over there and here and we're interconnected intraconnected is we are we are not you over there and me but we so intraconnected means within. And so when I begin to start to feel my emotions, then I can connect with you. And there's still this sense, though, of separation. But wait a minute. On one sense, Marie's over. I forgot where you are, Marie. Where are you right now? I'm in Los Angeles. You're in Los Angeles. Okay. Well, you're only like 400 miles from me. So you're in Los Angeles, I'm here. And it says, well, yeah, of course you're separate, you know, but in a very real sense, there's another way that we are completely connected. And that is through our nervous system. So you're a particle in Los Angeles, but in our conversation right now, you're a wave. And I'm a wave in your nervous system and you're a wave in my nervous system. So what does that mean? That means I need to increase my capacity to feel my emotions and feel my body because you're in my body. And to the extent that I can feel my own body is the limits of my ability to know you, to feel you, to know that I'm safe with you. And so, so important this, you know, this has always been my thing. I taught embodied shamanism for so long because people would be journeying and they leave their body behind. I go, no, no, no. If you're going to journey, you take it all with you. <laughs> and so, but for most part, we're we're trained to be out of our body. We've normalized this disembodiment. So coming together and, and working in spaces where there are other people who create a safe space together and, and relate together and practice relating. Uh, and presencing is the act of bringing ourselves back. Now, how do we develop the skills for that? Well, uh, meditation, contemplation, prayer, uh, and social engagement. Social engagement is a huge uh, aspect of, um, you know, practicing, you know, I, I I look and I see, I go into the clerk and I, I'm getting groceries. And while I'm there, I look and see, Am I in my body? No, often not. Am I feeling, what's my emotions I'm feeling? I have to ask me. I didn't feel my emotions till I was in, well into my 40s. Emotions, what are that? That's something you think. But emotions don't play out in the theater of the mind. They play out in the theater of the body. Feelings play out in the theater of the mind. You know, um, But that's very different, even though even though they work together and you can have anger mentally or fear or grief mentally, and it will do the same um, uh, stress hormones and cortisol and uh, inflammation and all that will ha happen. 
but you have no access to it. So what's the difference between a feeling and an emotion? An emotion is like joy. It's an upwelling. There's no actual real reason often. It's just an upwelling of feeling. But happiness, which people tend to collapse the two, is a mental construct. And it's always based on something that happened out there. But joy is an inner capacity. And all the other emotions, all of the emotions are amazing teachers. You know, you go through and 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 look at how, uh, and we push these things away, but emotion, that's what, that's movement. And in order to be alive, we need to move and we need to feel. And, you know, like Rilke says, feel everything, the terror, the joy, you know, the, the point is to feel it all. And so that's, what I see as the healing for the planet, really, is this right now, we need to feel the grief, we need to feel the fear, the terror, the absolute sense of not knowing what to do, and feeling overwhelmed. We need to allow ourselves to feel that, because otherwise, we will come up with the same solutions that we've used over and over again, expecting different results. But you know, war is like the Hydra, you know, Homer chops the head off the Hydra and two more come back. Every time we have a war, two more come back. Two more, there's two more angry terrorists, quote, or freedom fighters, depending on where you stand. So how do we get through this craziness going on? We feel the hatred. We feel the fear, but we don't act on it. We don't send that energy into other people. We don't send our anger. Words are things. You know, I love um, my friend Sandra Ingerman always talks of abracadabra. You know, where did that come from? It was uh, uh, from Aramaic, arakadabra, that means I create as I speak. I create as I speak. So you want to know why your life is the way it is? Watch what comes out of your mouth. That's a good indication. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. So I just want to say something here is that I've been so moved by everything that you're saying and two words, allowing, allowing ourselves to feel, allowing ourselves to be in the body, allowing is such a powerful practice. And the other thing is just these two things that we can ask ourselves, like Michael says, how do I feel? What do I need? If you ask yourself those two questions, you're really going to be able to understand and feel and be what you know we have been talking about. So, um, Michael, you've been talking about the circles that you hold about relating and, and safety, but I wanted to ask you, is there something else that the audience can use to experience your teachings or your wisdom, any workshop, books, seminars? Well, my first answer to that is go to the body because all the wisdom is right there. But let me respond to something else that you said. So. Um, first of all, allowing is not just, uh, it's also allowing the numbness. 
it's also allowing the frozenness. And that's something because, you know, again, I, I said this in one way, but I want to say it a different way that when um, these, these feelings of something's broken, I need to fix something, I need to learn something, I need to get better, you know, that's our last 20 years of, of you know, uh, whatever we call it, the new age healing ceremonies and things that we do. And, and, and it provided a lot of good. I've been part of that. Um, but what I have to tell people over and over over again in workshops and in the work that I do, even with private clients, we're not feeling this to get rid of it. And that's the trap. And it comes in really sneaky ways. Oh yeah, okay, I'm gonna feel this so I can get better. I'm gonna feel this so I get ready. No, you feel it so that it completes its cycle because every one of these dissociations, fragmentations, parts of us that get frozen, they're a cycle that up oh, didn't get finished. And in order to complete that cycle, I have to feel it. And then it becomes just history rather than me repeating it again and again and again and again. I don't have to repeat it when I feel it. So I think that's really um, important um, that in order to, we let go of that in order to. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not even taking, I, I just canceled several workshops and I've got too much work right now. So I don't wanna promote my work. If you're interested, go to Well of Light, dot com w-e-l-l-o-f-l-i-g-h-t dot com but let's just sit a moment and um and do a little meditation um and the kind of meditation i do um is is really focused on trauma and that is what uh thomas hubel calls and he's one of my main teachers uh calls uh three sync and so just let's take a moment to slow down a second I tend to talk fast sometimes. So just take a breath, feel your feet on the floor and just attune to your body, just tune into your body. What's happening in my body, listening to all this? And the first thing to notice is how does my, does my body feel spacious and open and alive? Or does it feel tight and contracted and cramped? So that's the first thing when we go into the body to really look at the state of my body. So we have inner space and we have movement and movement is energy. So we're working with space and energy. And so movement and presence is another way to say that. And so I'm just checking to see in my body, what's the state of my inner body right now? And I have like an inner lens and I look and I see, okay, where is there movement? So there's movement in my breath. So I notice my breath. I notice the quality of my breath. Is it warm or cool? Do I take in a lot of air or little sips? Is it deep or shallow? And I really attend to my breath. And, you know, the breath is the one part of our autonomic nervous system that we actually can control. So if we extend the out-breath longer than the in-breath, 
it down regulates us and it gives us a chance to drop more deeply into the body. So just take that breath, a little in breath and a long out breath. And as you do that, just kind of surf through your body with that inner lens and notice where there's movement. Oh, I can feel movement in my hands through my feet and my chest. And just notice that. And then there's places where there's tension. And particularly chronic tension is a telltale sign of trauma. So just notice, you know, I have a little in my neck, shoulders that notice. And where, where is there tension in my body? Again, not to try to change it, but just to meet it and say, yes, there, there, this tension in my neck. Okay, I feel that. Oh. And then there's also places that I can't feel that are numb. But numbness is not nothing. Again, numbness is part of the intelligence of the nervous system to protect us. So I feel around the edges of it. I get a sense of it. I allow myself to really meet that numbness. And sometimes images or ages will come up. I might get visual. I might get memories or just a felt sense. And I just allow it all to happen. I just, just give it a soft, gentle, yes, that's there. And just doing that, I might feel a sense of expansion in my inner body. And then within the felt sense of the body, I notice there's emotions. Maybe I don't feel any, and that's that's okay. That's the information. I say, yes, I can't feel my emotions. And maybe I do. Maybe I feel fear or sadness or anger, grief, shame, and uh, all these different emotions moving through me, fear. And some of them will feel very young. And some of them, I might have a mature relationship. I might have a, a good relationship with my anger. Yes, I feel it. I'm, I can uh, regulate it and I allow it to move through my body. So I move through the emotions. And then I move up to the, to the head, to the chat room. And I look, what's the state of my mind? Is my mind calm and spacious and clear? Or is it busy and grasping and doing to-do lists and multitasking? And I just notice that and allow the mind to settle. And it's kind of like muddy water in a glass. If you just stay with it, it'll just settle and then you'll have some clarity. And then I look and see, are my emotions and my thoughts and my felt sense in alignment? Are they congruent with each other? Or am I feeling one thing, 
putting on a face that says another thing and you know having a physical sensation that's going in a different direction so that's what we mean with attuning with the body bringing ourselves into awareness of our inner state and there's another camera plays on the same screen but that i notice that my my body doesn't really stop at my skin there's that electromagnetic field that energy body that's around me and i just check in and see if i can feel that kind of beautiful silvery cocoon around me and maybe when i explore the energy body i see there's dark places and leaks and you know so i can even smooth it out with my intention intention very important in this work my attention to bring intention to bring my attention and then i feel outward into the room and if there's other people i begin to feel other people and so that's part of again going back to the inner state feeling the inner body the more i can feel that the more i can feel and sense you and relax myself knowing that right now i feel safe and so just allow yourself to take a couple deep breaths and release anything from this that came up and allow yourself to gently open your eyes softly come back so that's one of the kinds of meditation or processes that i recommend uh, at least some time of stillness stillness and inner exploration every day so yeah wow i feel so at peace connected to my body to things that were happening that i wasn't aware of so thank you so much for this beautiful practice and healing oh i don't want this to end <laughs> but um <laughs> I wanted to ask you for our listeners, um, you just told us, you know, wisdom is in the body. This practice is something that we can do every day to get to that state. But um, is there anything else that maybe a next step or one action for people maybe who don't have time to, to meditate that um, you can share? Well, a couple things. One is that uh, you can always stop and take three deep breaths and center yourself. So that's one thing. Um, a couple other things. One is that we think that our busy mind or the things that happen to us, our traumas, our soul loss are in the way. And from the mystical perception, they're not in the way, they are the way. So turning towards those things that we're resisting, the shadow parts, and allowing ourselves to do that. And the best way to do that is in relationship, in relating. So I go to the grocery store and I am 
buying my groceries and I'm feeling my body and I'm trying to sense what the other, what's happening in the other person. I'm feeling my emotions. I'm sensing what's there. And just doing that not only can change my vibe, my, you know, uh, way of being, but it can really impact the grocery clerk or, you know, anybody that you're meeting there. So I think, uh, you know, the, the two greatest things with trauma are uh, either hyper-regulated, I'm busy, I'm always, you know, moving, I've got, I'm trying to, you know, you can't outrun fear. You just can't outrun it. As hard as you try, as much as you do, you just burn yourself out. So, you know, that's the hyper-regulated and the other is the hypo-regulated, the numbness. So just to begin to notice it, but um, to allow ourselves, you know, the, the symptoms of soul loss, um, I, I said a little bit about the, the uh, physical things that happen to us, but the first symptom is, is a sense of separation. I'm separate. And I think we mentioned that. But the second one is a sense of scarcity, lack. So people who have had uh, overwhelming experiences, trauma, are almost very often have a sense of not enough. I'm not just talking about money, not enough time, not enough good people, not enough smart people, not enough, you know, people like me, um, just on and on and on. The other thing is that we have, you know, a third uh, thing to notice about trauma is a break in our relationship to time that um, we're constantly, we take our past and we file it in our future and we keep living in it. And to begin to notice when you have those repeating arguments and conversations with people, you're, you're stuck. Your record keeps going in the same groove over and over and over again, and it's not changing anything. Um, and another aspect uh, of, of it is uh, the need to be in control. So, you know, as much as you try to be in control, you aren't. And so to allow yourself to actually explore and engage in the unknown is pretty awesome, really, when you allow yourself to go into that void, into the unknown, and seeking the wisdom of the unknown. That's, for me, I think it's a really, really powerful uh, thing. And the part about scarcity is the practice of gratitude. You know, that that really to make gratitude a practice no matter what. And and to take that to the limit, being grateful for what you have, but also being grateful for what you don't have or don't know or, you know, the, the things that are challenging to you. Because when you're grateful for the things that are challenging to you and recognize that this is a lesson, that a lesson of evolution, and it's going to reveal my patterns and my um, habitual ways of being. And if I can notice those and be with those and find the intelligence also in those, then I can, I can step out and go, oh yeah, I'm reacting to something that happened to me when I was five or two or six, whatever. And so, uh, awareness is the healer. It's always the healer. And to continue to step into not knowing and into the unknown is the most powerful thing that we can do. Mm. Yeah. Marie, I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. 
Thank you everyone for listening. Such an honor and pleasure to receive your wisdom and healing today. Thank you, Michael Stone. <laughs> Blessings. Blessings.